Following a bizarre week of weather, four seasons in one day, definitely just lately, Sean Sparling talks weather and nitrogen alternatives. I do hope we're not looking at a repeat of last April that saw 25 consecutive frosts. This year may just be the year to start looking at other ways of getting nitrogen into the plant. And what are the pros and cons of direct drilling? What's the best equipment to use? Well, on Wednesday this week, you can find out for yourself. We've decided to have this day where we asked a load of manufacturers to come on the same day in the same field so they're all working in the same conditions and it's on a, a very heavy clay soil and then ask all neighbouring farmers and other farmers around the country who was interested in it to come and have a look. More from Andrew Ward about his direct drilling day plus with an update on Open Farm Sunday and look ahead to next week's Countryside Links. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning. What a week of weather. April is upon us, soon be Easter, and next Sunday for families in Lincolnshire, we have Countryside Links. What's that? Here's Lincolnshire Showgrounds Education Manager, Rosie Crust. Yes, yeah, so we're delighted that the Countryside Links event is back at the Lincolnshire Showground on Sunday the 10th of April. It's basically a family educational day for children and families to experience the flavour of farming, food production and the countryside. We have nine different zones. All the zones are interactive, so the children can have a go at making willow bird boxes. There's animals for them to pet and bottle feed lambs. We've got a tractor zone. There's a food zone where they can have a go at making sausages, make cheese. It's a really interactive day to give them a flavour of yeah, food farming in the countryside. Yeah, so it's not just come along and have fun. It's educational as well. They can actually learn about what goes on in the fields that we drive by. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about learning about where food comes from in the food zone and just developing a little bit more knowledge about Lincolnshire and its its food and farming really from the experts who come along but very much in a fun and engaging way. It's brilliant to hear about all the work that the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society and the showground put into educating the next generation and making sure they don't just think that uh, food turns up at the supermarket shrink-wrapped. What else have we got on the day then? We've got the BMX show, we've got Hawkeye Falconry, we've got carriage driving demonstration, the Barlow Red Barrows who come and do a display like the Red Arrows do with smoke coming out of the wheelbarrows. And we have a tractor and trailer ride around the showground which is all day everything's for free so the children can have a look around the showground on the tractor and trailer ride hopefully the sun will be shining and it'll be a lovely day as it's the easter holidays we've got um easter themed biscuit decorating they can decorate cupcakes and then we've also got ladies and pigs who are making a picnic with the children and um, particularly making scotch eggs tons of stuff going on and this is the 10th of april at the showground do we need to book tickets for this how does it work Yes, yeah, so tickets are on sale in advance. Um, they are on the Lincolnshire Showground website, but also on the gate. Rosie, thank you. Thank you very much, thank you. Leaf Open Farm Sunday was rather truncated last year due to COVID. This year it's back with a vengeance, back to normal, and we're hoping for loads of farmers in Lincolnshire and across the country to take part. With an update, welcome manager Annabel Shackleton. How's it progressing so far, Annabel? It's absolutely fantastic. We have just had our 100th farm register, which is brilliant. You know, the farmers who take part get so much out of it. It is such a positive event that they really just want to be out there talking with the public and sharing what they're passionate about. I think we all want to get back to some kind of normality, really, don't we? But uh, how's Lincolnshire and Newark doing? 
Yeah, fantastic. We have four farms already registered, which is just brilliant. So we've got um, Brattleby Farm, Hall Farm, Manor Farm and Park Farm. Just fantastic. But of course, as always, Steve, we want more farmers to take part. Let's take a step back for those who've not been involved in Open Farm Sunday before. What is Open Farm Sunday? What's involved from a farmer's point of view? So Open Farm Sunday is an opportunity for farmers to open their gates, farm gates, welcome the public onto farm to learn about farming. So the farmer registers their event on the website farmsunday.org. They're sent a handbook with information and support. And basically, it's up to the farmer how they want to welcome the public onto farm. So it can be that you organise a farm tour at a set time, or you might have farm tours at three or four set times during the day, or you might open for a full afternoon or a morning. And the beauty of taking part in Leaf Open Farm Sunday, thanks to all our sponsors, we have lots of great resources to actually help farmers, like posters, flyers, postcards, a gate banner, and then also resources to use on the day as well. As I say, it really is up to the host farmer which parts of the farm they want to see. That's actually one of the best ways to to start an event, is to start with a, a map of the farm and think well I don't want people to see that area or that area you know I want to keep people away from there but what I'm happy to show them is this this and this and just a simple farm walk for an hour or so and just talking about the basics because that's what farmers forget because you do activities day in day out but it's amazing how the simple farming activities is absolutely fascinating to visitors. And there's an awful lot of disinformation out there in the big wide world about farming and farmers and what the countryside's all about. Hopefully doing an activity like this might just dispel some of that disinformation. Get the truth out there. Most definitely. And that is what visitors value, is the opportunity to actually speak with a farmer face to face. And they they are just amazed by the technology involved in farming. You know, when, when, a, when a member of the public goes to a supermarket and buys a loaf of bread, they have no concept of the agronomy, the technology, the machinery, the time involved in actually uh, producing the coring ingredients that go into the food that they eat and you know so many people drive through your wonderful countryside in Lincolnshire but actually have no idea what what happens in the fields and so it's an opportunity to learn about that and connect with the farmer. One thing that did concern me that I've seen on Twitter was you're inviting people to plant their pants now um, that that sort of had me scratching my head a little bit so would you like to explain please, Annabelle, what is plant your pants? It's a fantastic way of farmers actually measuring the microbial activity of the soil on their farm. But we thought, what a fantastic visual aid to actually spark conversations and just have a little bit of fun on Leaf Open Farm Sunday. What we're inviting farmers to do between now and Easter Sunday is to plant either pants, they need to be 100% cotton, about eight inches underground, and then leave them undisturbed until June. So the recommended time is at least eight weeks. 
dig them up on the 12th of June and then have them there on display, hang them up on a temporary line and just talk to the public about about them. And essentially, the more decomposed the 100% cotton items are, the better the microbial activity in the soil. Annabelle, I love it. Thank you for doing uh, for telling us about that. Where can we find out then more information if somebody's coming to this new or they're thinking, yeah, I haven't done it for a few years? Where do we go for all we need to know? Well, the website with all the information is farmsunday.org. And on the website, there's a button that says Open My Farm. Go on to there. There's all the information. And of course, that's the place where you register your Open Farm Sunday event. Annabelle Shackleton, Open Farm Sunday Manager at Leaf. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk again, no doubt, closer to the 12th of June. Thank you very much, Steve. Last Thursday, I was out and about on farms in the county. Sunglasses on and off, seeing fields covered in snow, then half an hour later bathed in sunshine. Coat on, coat off. What a week. Springtime in the UK, eh? Morning, Sean. Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. Good old March many weathers, eh? In like a lion, out like a lion for a change. 28 mil of rain for me all month. Absolute blizzard on Thursday morning out in the field. 20 degrees and sunshine a couple of days ago. Snow, 5 degrees and frost by night to finish with. So, thankfully, not the deluge of half an inch to 20 mil of rain that we were forecast to get over the last few days. So, with a bit of luck, land work will be back on the menu by tomorrow, hopefully. But we may well look back on a dry March and wish it had rained a little bit more particularly if things start to come dry now but we're in the hands of the weather and that's the nature of this job 80 percent at least of this job is down to the weather and a bit of luck going with it and it puts an awful lot of pressure and stress on those of us who have to rely on and supply the other 20 percent without which we're all scuppered so this return to five degree days and frost by night bit of deja vu here i do hope we're not looking at a repeat of last april that saw 25 consecutive frosts it absolutely hammered the forward wheats the oilseed rape it took out sugar beet the forecast says not says it's going to be mild so fingers crossed that the first time they're right is now so however a lot of people chose or rather were forced to pick urea as their solid nitrogen source when supplies went haywire last autumn and urea needs to be on in cold damp conditions in order to prevent it volatilizing and to get it down into the soil so the conditions at the end of this last week were very good for urea applications although the wind hasn't helped us actually get it on but please try and ensure that if you've got urea that it goes on in cold damp conditions once the temperatures start creeping up into the teens you're going to lose a a lot of that product upwards change into ammonium nitrate if at all possible as things warm up in the temperatures that we saw last week 18 19 20 degrees the losses will have been significant with urea and in a year when most people have already cut back on the total nitrogen anyway thanks to the cost and availability that's something we need to watch as we go forward so if you find that you are short of nitrogen as you move through the next few weeks and you're out of solid bag stuff for whatever reason this year may just be the year to start looking at other ways of getting nitrogen into the plant we're all going to need to think more carefully about alternative approaches to nutrition particularly nitrogen looking at what's going on in the rest of the world now i know it's a bit late to under sow clover as your nitrogen source into winter cereals but there are options out there for example what about using a nitrification inhibitor on ammonium nitrate or a urease inhibitor on urea fertilizers to reduce leaching in ammonium nitrate to reduce volatilization with urea 
that increases the nitrogen use efficiency. Ammonium nitrate has got a nitrogen use efficiency of about 60%. So if by putting nitrification inhibitor on, we can increase that to 75% or 80% or even 85%, that seems to me to be a very sensible thing to do, doesn't it? Get more from what you're already doing. These things can be applied in liquid form and either incorporated, which again, not particularly practical in a winter wheat crop in April, or put on through a sprayer when you're looking at about half an inch of rain or so forecast to fall within the 10 days after application just to get it washed in and do its job. There are, of course, several foliar nitrogen sources already out there and widely available. Things like polyen, nitamin, efficient 28, multi-end, folexen, high-end usually used as protein treatments at the end of season on winter wheat crops in some cases but all of these things will deliver nitrogen into the plant to hitherto supplement nitrogen applications but in the current climate to possibly replace part of the solid or the soil applied nitrogen. I think it's worth speaking to a few people about this, but do beware the vested interest brigade who are out there in force and always look for an independent trials data set so that someone other than those who are selling it supports it and backs it. What about the nutrient deficiency optimizing products? They contain nitrogen fixing bacteria. We used to have a product called Twin N a few years ago, which I've used widely and saw definite benefit to cereal crops in uh, providing additional nitrogen nitrogen. These are natural sources of bacteria which stimulate the plant's metabolism. They get into the chloroplast of the plant, they live on the methanol that the plant produces and they deliver ammonium via the nitrogenase cycle. Then you've got other things that deliver soil bacteria, not just things like cover crops but the liquid carbon fertilizers for example. What about endophyte use that allegedly help nitrogen assimilation in the soils in the plant? There's an awful lot of things to think about but as with many of these the results can be very, very variable, just like they can with biostimulants. So unless the weather is with us, unless the crop is chlorophyll rich and healthy, unless everything's going with us, we're looking at being back to that 80% look that I started with. So do have a look into these things. Trust no one unless they've cast an independent eye over these things. There's an awful lot of work going on within AICC, within NIAB TAG and other organisations just concentrating on these things. So as far as bag nitrogen alternatives go, there really is no simple answer, I'm afraid. But maximising the efficiency of the application is absolutely crucial. So perhaps nitrification inhibitors and ureate inhibitors may well be the right thing. Optimise the timing, the weather conditions around application. Um, and foliar sources of nitrogen do seem to be that little bit more consistent than some of the other ideas and products out there. So a good plant health regime that promotes and preserves green leaf area is still the most most crucial aspect and modern fungicides will help you achieve that too. The more green leaf, the more chlorophyll, the more photosynthesis, the more sugars produced, the healthier the crop. But we do need the weather for all of these things too. Um, anyway, look, Philocron is firmly in charge when it comes to growth stages, so the cold weather has slowed things right down. So very little change out in the field over the last seven days, but I do have sugar beet up on the heath. If you've got beet through the ground and there are frosts about, be very, very careful when it comes to putting uh, post-emergent herbicides on. Hopefully a bit more agronomy stuff next week as the rate flowers, the wheat's hit T1 and things warm up. Onwards and upwards then. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Many thanks as ever, Sean. That's Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. So to direct drilling. 
a technique of crop establishment that many favour over traditional plough-based methods, but is it the best route everywhere? What about different soil types and what of the economics, cost of equipment, which manufacturer is the most suitable and how is yield affected? Lincolnshire farmer Andrew Ward's hosting a direct drilling day this week where we can find out. Andrew, welcome to the programme again. Before you tell us about the day itself, for those not in the know, just explain direct drilling for us. So the term direct drilling really stems from a few years ago, it's been going now, where people have thought that they've been spending too much money on cultivating the soil and actually damaging the soil and there's no need to do all these cultivations and you're using more fuel, damaging the environment, you could say. And so it's been going quite a long while in Australia and some of these other countries where they've been just going into the soil into a field with a specialist machine called a drill and putting the seed into the ground without any prior movement of the soil. There are various machines you can do this with, but also soil type, whether you're dealing with a very light sandy soil or whether you are dealing with a soil like a lot of ours are that's got a lot of clay content in it and silt, which makes it very difficult for this type of system to work. And of course, we've got at the moment A lot of talk about carbon and we're looking at helping to get to net zero. Using fuel unnecessarily is one of the things that doesn't help the job. And so going direct drilling system will hopefully help in that respect and lower our carbon footprint. Are there any disadvantages to it, Andrew? I suppose you could say some of the disadvantages that I've found are potentially yields because we have a field that we put into this system six years ago. What we do with it is we we plant a cover crop instead of, if you like, cultivating. And that cover crop will consist of things like vetches, phacelia, oil radish, various other things that do the soil good and contribute towards helping reduce your inputs and reliance on maybe nitrogen, which of course is a hot topic at the moment. Mm. But the problem we've got with that is, I've found on our heavy soils, we actually suffer a yield reduction. So when you put the cover crop in the ground, you then will direct drill your cereal crop through the cover crop. But when we've tried to do it on our very difficult clay soils, we end up with a yield reduction. So for us, that is obviously a big disadvantage. Okay, so what's happening this Wednesday on your direct drilling day? We've decided to have this day where we asked a load of manufacturers to come on the same day in the same field. So they're all working in the same conditions and it's on a very heavy clay soil, and then ask all neighbouring farmers and other farmers around the country who are interested in this to come and have a look. We've got a lot of uh, machines coming. We've got, at the minute, 205, 210 farmers registered to come. Are they looking more at the machinery or the process, or or is it both? I suppose, really, Steve, you could say it's both, because the problem we have is a lot of demonstrations you see, it's on very easy workable soils. You could say it's nearly on, on Skegness Beach where any machine will work at any time of the year. And that really isn't realistic because a lot of soils in in Lincolnshire aren't like that. So it is really to see the machines working in conjunction with the soil type and to see what they're doing. What manufacturers have you got coming along? Porsche are coming with a couple of drills. They're coming with an avatar and a sprinter. Dale, a Lincolnshire company, are coming with their Eco, which is a time drill. We've got Horizon, which is another Lincolnshire company, coming with their DSX, which is a disc drill. Amazon, at the minute, I think, are coming with their Primera, which is a tine machine. Weaving with a mounted Sabre tine tine drill. Sumo are coming with a DTS, which is a disc drill. Clayton are coming with their hybrid, and that's a tine drill. Sky are coming with an easy drill, which is disc. 
And then Simtech are bringing a small three-meter mounted T-SEM, as it's called, which is a time drill. And then we're going to be having our eight-meter Simba free-flow drill running because that is our standard, which we're going to compare them all to. And we're going to do lots of assessments throughout the season. Plenty to see. Uh, if somebody's not already registered with you, do they need to get in touch with you and registered, or can they just turn up on the day? The best thing to do is, with doing it in conjunction with Agri, is to email Becky Cox, and her email address is becky.cox, and that's B-E-C-K-Y dot C-O-X, at Agri, and Agri is with two I's, dot co dot uk however i do know we are very nearly full um, if we are full becky will put you on a waiting list but we have got quite a lot of assessments we're going to be doing throughout the days after the trial and in the season and in the weeks up to harvest all the plots are going to be labeled the field is not in our farm it's on a roadside so people can easily see the field at their own leisure so if anybody doesn't manage to get to the day because we're full or they can't get themselves, if they contact you, Steve, you can give them my details and quite happily they can come and look at any time between April the 6th and when the field's harvested. All right, yeah, Andrew, happy to do that. Just email farming at linksfm.co.uk and good luck with Wednesday. Thank you, Steve. Hopefully it'll be a good one. I'm sure it will. Look forward to being there on Wednesday morning. To the markets now, starting with livestock. And Louth Livestock Markets' Oliver Chapman can't be with us this week. However, last Monday saw a slightly quieter week as one or two vendors were caught up and out of test, leaving them unable to sell cattle. However, a strong trade for all goods on offer, with prime steers topping in the pence per kilo section for K. Chafer of Borough La Marsh at 242 pence per kilo, with the lead grossing price going to J.C. Scully of Baumba at 1,300. 365, with another from the same home to 1,313. Prime heifers topped for K. Chafer of Burley Marsh at 249 pence per kilo and grossing at 1,317. Prime steers all in average at 237.12 pence per kilo and prime heifers all in average 248.5 pence per kilo. To the grain markets now with Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Good morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Wheat prices collapsed earlier in the week on reports of progress in peace talks in Turkey between Russia and the Ukraine. Unfortunately, this appeared not to be the case and prices quickly recovered, proving once again that it is the news wires and algorithms that are responsible for the moves in the futures markets, whilst trade looks on aghast. It has become the norm for producers and consumers alike, most of whom who do not trade the derivative markets, to use them as a benchmark for pricing as they are struggling to adapt to the fact that cash, physical and futures markets have become disconnected in these fast-moving, volatile markets. Debate continues around if, when Ukraine exports will resume, whether they will be able to harvest their winter wheat crop or sow their maize crop amidst the lack of manpower, machinery, fuel, etc. as the conflict continues. Reports of mines in ports laid by Russia to stop Ukrainian ships getting out, whilst others say they have been laid by the Ukraine to stop the Russians taking their port facilities. Russian grain exports continue with their friends, but with talk that the deals will be in rubles to support their ailing currency. Meanwhile, the market is looking to India to take up some of the slack, with talks of exports of up to 12 million metric tonne, although this may be limited by quality issues and logistical challenges. So looking at barley this week, taking into account the impact of the war and it may have upon Ukrainian spring barley plantings, the global production for all barley is forecast to be 145.7 million tonnes from the 2022 harvest. That would be 5 million tonnes down on 2021. 
of the big five producers, Canada alone is expecting to rebound in production. UK forward prices do currently include a war premium of 20 to £30 per tonne. It seems unlikely that the ceasefire will be agreed, but when it does happen, the market is likely to fall by that amount. It's really a question of when, not if. Oilseed rope this week has been another yo-yo of prices, which started slowly and have been holding a pattern as the trader waited to update the USDA stocks report. Then, on Wednesday, the market fell on Tuesday's news from the Russia-Ukrainian peace talks that Russia was promising to scale down military. It's military special operation in the Ukraine, but the US warned that the threat was not over and the Ukraine is proposing adopting neutral status in the sign of progress from face-to-face -face negotiations. So looking at prices this week, feed wheat for April 288 to 296, moving forward to May at 295 to 302. July 305 to 315 and November new crop 250 to 258. Milling wheat premiums are currently £35. Looking at feed barley for April and May 298 to 303. July 220 to 225. November 230 to 236. For malting barley premiums please speak to your open field farm business manager. And all seed rape April May 790 to 800. July new crop 615 to 622 and November 622 to 628. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Another unsettled week with low pressure, strong winds, rains, and we may see some snow again. Mostly dry through the day today. Cloudy, just a light breeze and highs around 9 Celsius, but rain's expected overnight and it could be heavy. Pressure starts to drop tomorrow. The wind starts to pick up from the west around 20 miles per hour, but gusty, damp and cloudy with highs of 12. Lighter westerlies on Tuesday. Light rain and temperatures dropping back into single figures. Midweek sees westerly winds in the mid-20s MPH, gusting to the mid-40s. Plenty of rain, some of which could fall as snow as temperatures drop again, no more than 5 or 6 on Thursday and down to minus 1 overnight into Friday. Layers, my mum always says, plenty of layers, then you're prepared for anything. Finally, congratulations to Lancashire Livestock Farmers Bob and Margaret Atkinson, who won £30,000 on the People's Postcode Lottery and plan to spend their winnings on fertiliser might buy a couple of bags next week on the farming program following defra's announcement of changes around autumn muck spreading sean talks about farming rules for water reference manure applications along with the government's position on future urea use we'll get an end of campaign sugar report and consider those easter visitors to the countryside i'm steve orchard until then have a great week